This morning, in a sermon entitled, The Greatest Commands, Love One Another, Part One, we discuss the beautiful uniqueness of song number 774 in our songbooks, The Greatest Commands. We explored at length the opening phrase of that song, love one another, as it occurs in the scriptures. Obviously, the opening phrase of that song, as I said, as well. And as we discussed that phrase, love one another, as we, as we discussed that phrase, we talked about how it occurs 13 times in 12 verses in the New Testament. The Apostle John used it 10 times. The Apostle, I'm sorry, yeah, the Apostle John used it 10 times. The Apostle Paul used it a couple of times. The Apostle Peter used it once. Love one another. And we also made mention of the fact that that phrase never occurs in the Old Testament. Love one another. And how that should signify to us that that, that phrase, the, the embodiment of that phrase, summarizes what we as New Testament Christians are to be about. It summarizes the attitude that we are to have as part of the New Testament church or kingdom. We stressed how vital that is, the incalculable importance it carries in God's eternal plan for his New Testament children, his New Testament family or church or, or body. We uh, discovered, perhaps surprisingly to some, but we discovered that that loving one another as he has loved us is as vital to our eternal salvation as believing in Jesus. And we saw this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 23, where it said, and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. They're, they're put there by divine inspiration in the same context, in the same sentence, just like he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Both are essential, both are important, both, both of them have to be done. The process is not completed until we believe, he who believes is baptized. They're both important. It's God's commandment that we love one another the same as it is his commandment that we believe in his son, Jesus. We can't go to heaven if we don't believe in his son. We can't if we don't love one another. It's not a suggestion. It's not an option. And so, as we talked about this, this loving one another and that phrase occurring those 13 times in the New Testament, if that loving one another is that important, if it's that much of a, a focus, if it's, if it's that vital according to God, as, as we covered this morning, then we, like the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16, verses 30 through 34, when he was told to believe on the Lord Jesus, you and your household, and you'll be saved, he needed more information, so, so Paul took them, or they took Paul and, and Silas and washed their wounds, and, and, and they explained to them further what they needed to do to believe on the Lord Jesus. And like that, we need explained to us, okay, if loving one another is that, is, is that important, then we need to be further informed as to how we are to do what we are told that we must do when it comes to loving one another that way. So tonight, we're gonna take a look at some other scriptures. We're gonna take a look at 
quite a number of scriptures that use the phrase, instead of love one another, they use a phrase about how we are to love one another. And they all use the simple two-word phrase, one another, without the love in front of it. Now, <clears throat> the phrase one another itself occurs 89 times in the Bible, so obviously we're not going to cover all of those in 81 verses. We're not going to cover all of them. We're only going to cover some of those that help us to define and determine and better understand exactly how to fulfill this biblical requirement that we love one another as we had ought to. And we're going to begin in the same place we did this morning in John chapter 13. You will recall that this morning we talked about John 13, 34, and 5, the first place that we see the phrase love one another in the scriptures as we go through them as they're laid out here. And we're going to begin there in chapter 13 as well with the occurrence of the phrase one another by itself. In John 13, again, we know the story. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples as we covered this morning. Look what it says in verse 12. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, you know what I've done to you? Now he's asking men that have followed him for three and a half years. And so sometimes when we don't understand, we can understand that as humans, sometimes we don't always understand because they had followed him for that time. And, and he's asking, do you really know? Do you really comprehend? Do you understand what I've done for you? And, and then he explains it. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. Jesus said, I am your teacher. I am your Lord. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. This loving one another as we had ought to involves washing one another's feet in the sense, as we talked about this morning, that we're willing to get our hands dirty. We're willing to expend the effort. We're willing to see each other at our worst and still love each other. I had a brother very many years ago who was in the hospital. Very, very healthy brother. He worked out, bicycle, did all those things, and, and he was having some real serious health problems. And I don't mean to be gross, but it's not fellowship dinner right after this, so I'm gonna say this, I'll, I'll put it as gently as I can. We were sitting there in the hospital room with him, and he was really sick, and his wife was there. And he began to throw up very green bile that filled the room with a terrible stench. So bad that his wife had to leave. And it's not about me, but, but I remember that instance, and I stayed and held the pan under his mouth and rubbed his back so that he could do what he needed to do. He got better. And, and I started to put Doug on it. Please don't get the wrong I started to put Doug on a pedestal. We, we, we understand, I just I want to impress upon us that, that that's what it means to wash one another's feet, is to be in those instances where we see each other at our worst and still love one another. 
This loving one another requires that we wash one another's feet. Jesus would go on to say, as we read this morning in verses 34 and 5 of John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. A second thing that this loving one another requires of us, if we are going to love one another as we ought, it requires that we understand that we are all members of one another. We are members of one another. Scripture uses that phrase in a couple of places. Let's turn to one of them and, and then we'll talk about it a little bit more. Romans chapter 12. Look at verses 4 and 5. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, Romans 12, 5, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, members of one another in the one body. You are a part of me. I am a part of you. We are not individual entities in the body of Christ like our, our muscles and our eyes and our hands and our feet and our lungs and our vocal cords and all that we are as a human body works together and everything is interrelated and part of something else. We in the body of Christ are part of one another. You know, you ever had one of those toothaches that hurt you right to your toenails? A tooth is a small thing. But man, when that thing is inflamed and impacted and it hurts, you can feel it with the whole upper part of your body. Can't you? It affects everything. It affects your mood. Somebody says, how are you? I'm awful. Can't you see the size of my face? You know, that it, it affects everything. If your blood pressure is down to 85 over 60, you're probably, the rest of your body parts are not going to have a good day. Your head is going to ache, you're going to be lightheaded. If your blood sugar is way down in the 80s, you're going to be moving real, your feet are not going to move as much as you'd like them to, your mind is not going to process as quickly as you'd like it to. One thing can affect everything. Why? Because it's all part of the same body. It all works together. We are members of one another. Your blood flow and your blood pressure has to do with your entire body. Your, it has to do with, with, with everything that goes on and all of the rest of the members of your body. And we've got to understand that like that, we are members of one another. None of us is an entity unto ourselves. We all need each other in order to work. My heart needs my blood in order to work. You take the blood out of my body, well, you're only removing one element, right? What happens to the rest of the body? Done. We've got to remember, brethren, that we're part of one another. And that is a big deal. That is a big deal. Thirdly, as we talk about one another, and just moving through the book of Romans here, Romans chapter 12 and verse 10 says, remember, we're looking for the phrase one another throughout the scripture. 
be kindly affectionate to one another, there's our phrase, with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. Wow, that one's got two one another's in it. Giving preference to one another in honor. What does that mean? It means the same thing as we learn in Philippians chapter 2, where it tells us to watch out not only for our own interests, but the interest of others, and to have the same attitude that Christ had, to be concerned with others first. It's that old saying of, you know how to have Joey, J-O-Y, Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. It's, it's that. That's loving one another, is, is giving preference to one another. It's being kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Some other versions besides the New King James that I'm using, rather than translating that be kindly affectionate to one another, some versions will say, be devoted to one another with brotherly love. Be devoted. What does it mean to be devoted? Husbands and wives, you're devout, you are devoted to your spouse. Does that include when they have morning breath? Does that include when they fall and make a mistake or an error in judgment? Does it include times, are you still devoted to them even when you think that the $300 needs to be spent over here and your spouse thinks it'd be better spent over here? Of course you do. That's what this word has to do with being devoted to one another. The Greek word that is translated, be kindly affectionate or be devoted, is the only place it occurs in the entire New Testament. That word is philostorgos. And this is what it means according to Strong's. Listen to this. The mutual love of parents and children and wives and husbands. Loving affection. Loving tenderly. Chiefly of the reciprocal tenderness of parents and children. What's Paul saying? You want to know how we're to love one another? You want to know how we are to be devoted to one another in this way? Watch a close-knit family. Watch a close-knit family where husband loves his wife with all of his heart, wife loves her husband with all of, of her heart, where they are tight, the, the, the kids love their parents, the parents love their kids. That's what the, he's saying. You need to be devoted like that as God's family. That's the word he uses. That's what it means to be devoted to one another, to love one another as Christ loved us. Fourthly, as we move through the book of Romans, being of the same mind toward one another is important. Romans 12 and verse 16. You know what that means? We're to look at all of our brothers and sisters in Christ the same way. Be like-minded, be of the same mind, rather, towards one another. Look at Romans 12 and verse 16. Be of the same mind toward one another. It means looking at our brothers and sisters in Christ all the same. You know what that same way is? There's not a brother or sister in Christ that is perfect. Not a one. 
In all the brotherhood across all the land and around all the world, you are not going to find one brother or sister who is absolutely perfect, sinless, and flawless, except in the eyes of God, which they all should be. So we need to look at our brethren and have the same mind toward them, toward all of them, that they're human, that they are prone to the same failures and weaknesses as we are. Looking at all of our brothers and sisters in Christ the same way. Hurting and sympathizing with them in their struggles because they're human, they're going to have them. Rejoicing with them in their joys and triumphs because they're going to have those too. And never, ever, ever seeking to hurt or pay back or take vengeance on them for any evil, real or imagined, that we may think they have inflicted upon us, but leaving that up to God. Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through 21. That's what it says. That's what it means to love like Jesus. Hence, that's what it takes to live with Jesus. <coughs> Apostle Paul introduces the idea of not being wise in our own opinion twice in Romans 11.25 and then Romans 12.16. Then he goes on to devote an entire chapter to how we are to handle the inevitable differences of opinion that we are sometimes going to have amongst ourselves over things not mentioned in the scriptures. And it is in the midst of that discussion, right, in the heart of that chapter, that we find our next and fifth scripture of the evening containing yet another vital element of our treatment of one another that is essential to our truly loving one another. Right in the middle and heart of that chapter, look what he says in Romans 14, 10 through 13. It's another one another verse. This is what he says. But why do you judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge, here's our phrase, one another anymore, but rather resolve this not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. Paul then continues, wraps up that discussion, and goes on to insist that instead of judging one another when it comes to our different opinions, that we must indeed instead be like-minded toward one another, continuing to glorify God together with one another, and receiving one another as God received us, as Christ did receive us to the glory of God. This is what he says in Romans 15, 5 through 7. And look at the phrase, one another. Romans 15, 5 through 7. He says, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, Receive one another just as Christ also received us. The glory of God. When you came to Christ, did Christ receive you to himself when he washed away your sins? Did he? Are you his now? You belong to him? Yes. You're part of his body. He received you. Now, the person before you or after you that was baptized, 
They might have liked a different kind of music. Did God still receive them? They may have had a different favorite color. They may have had a different uh, vacation place, they love, whatever. He received us even in our differences. And he says we're to receive one another that way and, and glorify God with the same mouth and the same one mind, patiently and comfortingly. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 14, he shows us something else that's vital to our loving one another. He says now, I myself, Romans 15, 14, am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Look at those three again. Part of loving one another is Christ loved us. Full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and able to admonish. If you know somebody is full of goodness toward you, they're a good person, they, they love you, they're your brother and sister in Christ, they're trying to help you get to heaven, they're full of goodness. And if you know that they're knowledgeable in the scriptures, they're filled with all knowledge, should they be able to admonish us? Yeah, if you know where they're coming from. Again, I'm going back to husbands and wives. Seems to be the thing tonight. It's just the way it's working. If you know your spouse loves you, sometimes they have to correct you. Can you take it from your spouse? You know they love you and they know what they're talking about? Sure you can. Sure you can. Ought to be the same way, he says, between brothers and sisters as we talk about one another. And finally, he wraps up his letter to Romans the same way that he does both of his epistles to the first century Church of Christ in Corinth. He wraps up his letter to the Romans not only the same way he does both epistles to the Church of Christ in first century Corinth, but the same way that the Apostle Peter wraps up his epistle to his audience in 1 Peter 5.14. That's by telling all of these different, assorted, opinionated, oft-admonishing one another brethren in Rome to greet one another with a holy kiss. Make sure you show your Christian love and affection for one another when you come together. Make sure you do that. Now, if I were to go on, like I said, there... There's over 80 verses in the New Testament with the phrase one another. Not everyone is, is relevant to, to the topic at hand of loving one another, but if I were to go through each and every one of them extensively as I did Romans, take another couple of three sermons, so we're not going to do that. But I am going to mention a bunch of them to you. You note takers, get ready. This is so important. And I'll just give you the reference and just make a comment or two, but don't, don't lose me here. Keep up with me because this is how we love one another and, and I didn't want to turn this into a four sermon set. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25, Paul writes that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. There shouldn't be cliques, shouldn't be divides. We should all be one. We should have the same care for one another. I should have the same care for that brother or sister that I barely know as I do for that brother or sister that I spend all my time with. I should have that same, have that same care for one another that there be no schism in the body. Galatians chapter 5, <clears throat> verses 13 through 15 says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh but through love,
serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Where does that sound familiar from? <laughs> this morning. Love the second command. The, the, the greatest command, Jesus said, was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Paul said the same thing in Galatians 5, 13 through 15. He said all the law is fulfilled in that, just like Jesus did. Love your neighbor as yourself. Through love, serve one another. Serve one another. One of the ways that we love one another is to serve one another. Well, I don't want to serve that brother. <laughs> no, love serves and washes feet and gets its hands dirty even for that brother. He says in, in Galatians, 3 and verse, uh, Galatians 5 and verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Heard a story, I read a story many years ago, an illustration of a, a man who in a, in a lab in a closed container left two beetles overnight, two fighting beetles overnight. Said to come back the next morning, one of them was missing like two legs and a pincher, and the other one was missing, you know, both pinchers, and they were just, there was just body parts all over the place because these two fighting beetles had been just ripping each other apart all night, and basically there was nothing left of either one of them worth saving. And he used that, as I recall, to illustrate Galatians 5 and verse 15. We need to, through love, serve one another instead of biting and devouring one another because then we'll be consumed by one another. Galatians 5, 26, we see the phrase one another again. He says... Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. When you have conceit, when you have I'm better than you are, or I'm more important than you are, or I'm a better Christian than you are, whenever you have conceit, you're going to have provocation. Galatians 5.26 says don't become conceited, provoking one another. Instead, in Galatians 6.2, he says, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Isn't that a beautiful, you know, talk about little verses that are beautiful, isn't that a beautiful one? Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Listen, aren't you glad that you didn't live in Old Testament days with all those animal sacrifices and everything those people had to do and, and God's made it real easy. In the New Testament, the greatest command of all of them is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and he says right here in Galatians 6, 2, that if you bear one another's burdens, you've taken care of the law of Christ. Man, that is so much easier than they had it under the Old Testament. Moving into the book of Ephesians as we talk about the phrase one another, here it is in a very familiar passage in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Sometimes it's a struggle. Sometimes we've got to bear with one another. You know why? Because that other person is just as human and frail and messed up at times as I am. Sometimes we've got to bear with one another. Well, well, well that, that brother or sister, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, bear with. Long-suffering means patient. 
We are to bear with one another in love, endeavoring or, or, or pursuing this unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. How do we keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace? By, by being long-suffering and patient with one another and understanding that that brother or sister is just as human as I am. Finally, in Ephesians 4 and verse 32, he says, be kind to one another. There's our phrase, one another again. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. It is utterly impossible to truly love and work and worship with one another if we from the heart cannot forgive one another. You know why? Because inevitably, somewhere down the line, people are gonna let you down, because they're human. They may be tired, they may be having a bad day. The, the sooner or later, they're gonna let you down. And if we can't forgive one another from the heart when that brother or sister lets us down, as they're all going to because they're human, then we can't truly work and worship together because it's gonna happen. Anybody in the church ever let you down? Don't raise your hands. <laughs> Anybody in the church ever let you down? Think about it. Let me tell you this. Only because we're all human, we don't want to, and it's not intentional, but only because we're all human? If they haven't, they probably will, and I don't mean that as disrespectful or irreverent toward a soul in this building, but we're all human. If you are saved, it is gonna be by the grace of God and the blood of Christ, is that right? Why? Because you're human. We mess up. And so, if we can't forgive one another, Ephesians 4 and verse 32, and, and be kind to one another as, as God in Christ forgave us, we'll, we'll never be able to work together because somewhere something's gonna happen we can't forgive. Ephesians 5, 19 and 21 says, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing making melody in your heart to the Lord, submitting to one another in the fear of God. When you come and you sing, like we sang tonight, you're encouraged by that, right? You encouraged when you sing? Well, see, I didn't just come to be encouraged because I was singing. That's not why I came. I came to be encouraged by your singing. See, we sing and we're encouraged. But we should be encouraged by everybody else singing to us as well. Ephesians 5, 19. Colossians 3, 13 is very similar to Ephesians 4.32, as we look at this phrase, one another, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. That verse sums up all the verses on forgiveness as far as I am concerned. Colossians 3.13, it, it defines how, it explains it, it talks about who's involved. Colossians 3.13 nails it. Colossians 3.16, Echoes Ephesians 5.19 when it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, which you cannot do if you are not here. You cannot sing to me, nor can I sing to you if you are not here. As, as Rick talked about so, so forcefully, on Wednesday night in, in that Devo. That Devo was spot on. 
We cannot teach and admonish one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs if we're not here to do it. Moving on to Thessalonians, as we look at this phrase, one another, 1 Thessalonians 3.12 says, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. Whoa, Paul. They're already Christians. They're already loving each other. What are you talking about? Increase and abound? Uh -huh. Should our love be growing? Should our love be growing for one another? Not just have it, but should it be growing? Should it be blossoming? It's that time of year, and I've, I've heard stories just today about people out yesterday planting gardens. We're getting ready to grow things. You know what? Paul says that our love, 1 Thessalonians 3.12, the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another. Our love for one another should be growing as we go through the years together, hand in hand, headed up the straight and narrow home to heaven. Our love should be growing, not going backwards. In 1 Thessalonians 4.18, he says, comfort one another. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, he says, comfort each other and edify one another. Do we do that? Comfort one another. Comfort. When a brother or sister is telling us about their struggles, we all do it. It's human nature. We tend, as, as people are talking to us, to think about what we're going to say next. Sometimes we compare stories and say, well, you know, I did this, that. The Bible says comfort each other. Take the time to really listen and, and comfort that person with scripture and edify them. That's how we love one another. Titus 3.3 says, moving on, for we ourselves also were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That's another one another phrase. He said we used to live just being hateful to each other. Hateful and hating one another when we were in the world. And he says as Christians, that's not loving one another. We need to fix that. As we move on to the book of Hebrews, so much, like I said, I can't take them all on. Hope you're taking notes and go back and listen to this because these all explain how we're to love one another as Christ loved us. Hebrews 3.13, exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Exhort one another daily, daily, not weekly, not Sunday when you come, daily. You have a daily routine. Most of us have somewhat of a daily routine. We get up and do certain things in a certain order and all of that. And we do it pretty much every day. Exhort one another daily. It doesn't take much for Satan to pull some of us off and to slowly harden our hearts up to the point where we're lost. And he says in order to prevent that, if you're truly loving one another, you need to exhort one another daily. Only on days that end in Y, <laughs> while it's called today, Hebrews 3 and verse 13, so that we're not hardened by sin. As we move on to a very familiar passage in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, it's often talked about with attendance. It says, let us consider, here's our phrase, one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting, hey, he's gonna use this phrase twice, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. And, and again, one of the reasons that we need to come together is not just for our own spirituality, but one of the purposes we need to come together is to exhort and encourage each other. Let me ask you a question. 
If, if this building has got 30 people in it on a Sunday morning, is that a little discouraging? We, we make the best of it. We say, well, I'm here, and the saints are gathered, and two or more. And that's all true, and that's fine, and we need to make the best of it. But listen, instead of 30, how many of you would rather see 130 here Sunday morning? that more encouraging? We come to stir up one another to love and good works, to encourage one another, one another, one another. That's our theme tonight. Consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together, but exhort one another, encourage one another. We do that by being together. James 4.11, as we continue to move through the New Testament, a, a verse that we spent a couple of weeks on in the adult class with some very lively and intense conversation. It says in James 4.11, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of it, but a judge of it. Don't speak evil of one another. How many of us had good mamas that told us, hey, if you can't say something good, don't say anything at all, right? Y'all heard that. I mean, that's not just a northern thing, I'm sure. You know what James is saying? <laughs> James is saying, if you can't say something good about your brother or sister, don't say anything at all. Don't speak evil of one another. He goes on in James 5, 9 to say, don't grumble against one another. Brethren, lest you be condemned. Don't think loving one another is important. James says you grumble against one another lest you, you will be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So what should we do with one another? If we can't grumble against each other and we can't speak evil of one another, what ought we to be doing, James? Well, James got an answer for that in James chapter 5 in verse 16. He says, here's how we ought to be talking to one another. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Do you have that brother or sister in the church that you can go to and that you can trust to the point that you can tell them when you mess up and ask them to pray for you? We all ought to have that brother or sister. We all ought to have several brothers or sisters like that. But he says, confess your trespasses to one another. And certainly the one you've trespassed against, you need to be able to, to do that with as well. But that's how we need to talk to one another is confess our trespasses to one another and pray for one another. If we're going to use our lips, which James spends a lot of time talking about in James 3, with one another, that's how it ought to be done. <coughs> Peter, as we move through the last book where we will look at this phrase tonight, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, Peter says, finally all of you be of one mind. Where have we heard that? Has he been reading Paul's letters or something? <laughs> Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Talked recently in a sermon about compassion and the compassion of Christ, and Peter says you've got to have compassion for one another. Love as brothers, and it comes back to that family relationship. Be tender-hearted. I stop. I'm sorry. Do you know one of the worst things about being tender-hearted? The Bible says be tender-hearted. Peter said be tender-hearted. You know one of the worst things about being tender-hearted? You're going to get hurt. Someday, sometimes in our society today, we might say, where's their heart on their sleeve? 
When you are a tender-hearted person, people are going to walk all over your heart. It's going to hurt. Peter said, be tender-hearted. I continue in 1 Peter 3, 8, and 9, while well, start over. Finally, all of you be of one mind, have compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. When, when I'm given evil, I should bless that person. Peter says, uh-huh. You know why? So you'll be blessed in return by God. That's what it means to love one another as he loved us. Peter, in 1 Peter 4, 8, and 9. Did Peter know a lot about Christ? Did Peter know a lot about the church? Did Peter have a lot of really wonderful experiences with Jesus? Even the post-resurrection Jesus, we know from Scripture that, that when Jesus came back, he appeared to Peter. We, we don't know what was said at that meeting. At one of them, we know about the, the beach there that morning and, and all of that. But, but Peter, Peter just had this incredible relationship and, and Peter could, with Jesus. And Peter could write about a lot of things. And, and if Peter said in his writing, above all, this is so important, would you think it was with all he knew? You know what he said? He said, above all things, have fervent love for one another. Oh, but Peter says, above everything as I want to stress to you, this is it. Above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. 1 Peter 4, verses 8 and 9. He goes on to say, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Love will cover a multitude of sins, yes. You have a... You have a wife or a husband and kids even. You don't run around telling everybody in the world hanging their dirty laundry out for everybody to see. You just don't do that. Because you love your spouse, you love your kids. And what he says right here in this verse means the same thing. Love needs to cover a multitude of sins. You may know something, but you don't have to say it. Moving on, Kirk's done a, a, a really Great job the past week or so with the Marco Polo app talking about how we can all serve the local congregation. And in 1 Peter 4, in verse 10, it says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If you receive the grace of God, if you receive the love of God, then what you need to do if you have received God's grace as a good steward of that grace Use the gifts God has given you to minister to or serve one another. The word minister means serve. That's, all, that's what it means. And the final verse I'd like for us to notice tonight is from 1 Peter 5 and verse 5 when it comes to one another, and it's simply this. Peter writes, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Be clothed with humility that you can serve one another.
Was Jesus humble? Oh, yeah. A smoldering wick he will not squeeze out, or a bruised reed he will not crush. Jesus was gentle. Jesus was humble. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, Philippians 2. Jesus was incredibly humble. And he says that we all need to be clothed with humility in order to be submissive to one another. 1 Peter 5 and verse 5. Tonight we've looked at just a few occurrences of the 89 occurrences in 81 verses in the New Testament which include the phrase one another. These verses that we have looked at exhibit for us or put on display for us the spiritual DNA or the essential spiritual elements that make up the biblical love that we are to have for one another. The biblical love that Jesus talked about and showed us that we must extend to one another in order to go to heaven. Love one another. It's what we see in the scriptures. It's what the scriptures show us how to do. And it's the first line of that beautiful song, The Greatest Commands. As we've seen, giving this kind of love to others as we ourselves have been given by Jesus is just as crucial to our going to heaven as our believing in Jesus is. 1 John 3 and verse 23. I'm so grateful for the love of God, aren't you? He came and showed us how it's supposed to be done. And if you've got that 100% right, then I am so grateful to God that, that you do, because I don't, but I'm trying. If you're here tonight and you need help because you're trying, but you sometimes just lose that strength to really love one another as you not, we'll pray for you to be stronger and we'll just thank God for his grace and his patience like we do most of us quite often. If you're not a Christian, God's grace and love is there for you tonight. He loves you so much that he was willing to die on a cross for you. Now you've got to accept his love by taking it in the source which he put it. He told us that we need to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins through the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost. If you're here tonight and you've never done that, we encourage you to do that. If you just need the prayers of the saints to be stronger when it comes to loving one another, if there's those or anything else that we can do to help you, God is love, and he's waiting for you to come to him now as we stand and sing.